chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. We are going through in our group Bible studies the book of Colossians and we're following along in Colossians in our morning services. And um, I thought I turned this on earlier, but I think there we go. Didn't hold it long enough, all right? So, we are at Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, And are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. So, a very, very important passage, and we're going to look at one aspect that is sometimes troubling to people. It isn't really the main thrust of this passage. We're dependent on your studies tonight to look at the main thrust of it. But in, in verse 21, he says, You were once alienated and enemies apart from Christ, but he has reconciled us through the blood of Jesus Christ. And then he adds in verse 23, If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel. J.D. Greer, in his book, Stop Asking Jesus Into Your Heart, shared this illustration. He he said that um, he went to a local basketball court and got involved in a pickup game. And he'd seen a guy that he'd seen there numerous times. He was quite the character. He cursed like a sailor and was rough around all the edges and um, boasted continually about his um, immoral life and so on. And, And he said, so one day during a break in the basketball, I began to share my story of how I came to Christ with him. And he says about three sentences in, the guy stopped, he grabbed the ball from me, and he said, dude, are you trying to witness to me? And J.D. said, I thought, 
wow, I didn't even know he would know what witness is. And, and he said, well, yeah, that's exactly what I'm trying to do here. He said, man, that's awesome. No one's ever witnessed to me in a long time. But he said, you don't need to worry about me. When I was 13, I was at a youth camp and I asked Jesus to come into my heart. And hey, man, it's legit. I became a super Christian. I went to youth group every night of the week. We did our true love waits promises. I memorized verses. I went on missions trips. I even led others to Jesus. About two years after that, though, I discovered sex. And I didn't like the idea of God telling me how I would run my life, so I decided to put God on a hold for a while and I could go do whatever I wanted. And uh, after a while, I just quit believing in him altogether. I'm a happy atheist now. And then he added, but here's what's awesome. I grew up in a church, and they taught eternal security. And that means once saved, always saved. And um, aren't, aren't you one of those that believes that? J.D. said, he said to me. And I was kind of awkward with silence, he said. And he went on, that means my salvation at age 13 still holds even though I don't believe in God anymore. So, immediately, wheels are turning in everybody's mind if you were listening. And you're thinking, what's going on here? Some of you are saying... I believe once saved, always saved, but I don't know how all this fits into it. And others of you are saying, you know what? This just proves to me that that once saved, always saved isn't real. And um, here's, a, here's a good example of it. And um, I think both of those are two extremes of the pendulum. And I think Paul, not only here... But in the Scriptures, we find an explanation and an identification of this. If you were reading strictly just from our perspective, Colossians, when he says that you were reconciled to God by faith in Jesus Christ, and then he adds in verse 23, if you continue in the faith, we would we would say, well, that that leaves it up to me. My reconciliation is dependent upon if I continue in the faith. Well, we want to go back and look at the the scripture, the message of scripture, and we want to just remind ourselves of a few things. Reconciliation, first of all, is a work of God. I don't have the time to go into it today, but we were enemies of God. We were alienated from God. We didn't come to God with an offer of reconciliation. He came to us. He is the one that came searching for us. There is no man that seeks after God. Reconciliation is all God's plan, God's purpose, God's working. 
we, we are powerless to be reconciled to God. And we just came through last week of remembering the cross and, and the price that He paid. Man does not win his way back to divine favor by anything that we can do. It is God who brings reconciliation to us through Jesus Christ. And we need to understand reconciliation brings change. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. We just heard testimonies of it. They came to Christ and it changed their lives. And anyone that comes to Jesus Christ, it will bring a profound impact in their life. It will bring a commitment to truth and to the Word of God. It will bring a desire to grow in Christ because anyone who has truly trusted Christ as Savior has the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. The Holy Spirit is the earnest of our salvation, meaning God, when we trust Christ for the forgiveness of our sin, He gives us the Spirit who who seals us, who keeps us, who is at work in us, Romans 8.29, for whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. So God's will for every person that comes to faith in Jesus Christ It is God's will that they become more like Christ as long as they live. And to enable that, He gave His Spirit. And His Spirit dwells within us. His Spirit convicts us of sin. His Spirit teaches us what is right. His Spirit empowers us to do what is right. A born-again person can never be the same because the Spirit dwells within them and the Spirit is at work in their life and He is the one that produces the change. It's not an act of their will. It's not of my own motivation, my own power. It is through the indwelling of the Spirit and the Spirit is committed to radically changing our lives from self-centered, flesh-driven lives by the power of the Spirit, to Christ-like lives. The reconciliation brings change. And the change endures. The change lasts. In the passage that we read, if indeed you continue in the faith, the if that is used there in the original language is not a... a Possibility of a future realization. Rather, it is a word that is used that is assuming you will continue in the faith. If you are a child of God, an evidence of that is that you will continue in the faith. He was writing because um, false teachers were trying to convince them That besides Christ, you needed something else. You needed these works. You needed this. You needed that. And he was saying, Christ is preeminent. He is above all, in all, through all. 
And He is the one that is working your life if you are a child of God. And He will continue that work that He is, has begun. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 5 says, We are kept by the power of God. It's not my works that are going to keep me saved. I am kept by the power of God. And, and we rejoice in that. It's, it's not my power. My power could not save me. My power cannot keep me. And it's important for us to realize our salvation is not of ourselves, not of works, lest any man could boast. And yet to realize works are very, very important. Faith that says I have faith, James tells us, but doesn't manifest itself in works is not a faith that saves. So, to illustrate, we go to the parable of the, of the seed and the sower or the parable of the soils. You remember, and, and I'm not going to take the time to go through it, but the first three soils... The birds plucked the seed out of the first one. The other one sprang up for a while and faded away because there was no root in it. The third one sprang up for a while and the cares and the deceitfulness of riches and the cares of this life choked it out and it died. But the fourth one grew and produced fruit. Of those four, which one was saved? Which one was reconciled to God? The fourth ground. Which ones gave evidence that they were saved? The second ground. It sprang up and with joy attended every youth group meeting, went on missions trips, did all those things, and with joy it had that. The third one, it endured for a while. But then, oh, the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches. I'm going to go chase after money. And the pleasures of this life choked it out. Then I discovered sex and I said, God can't tell me what to do in this life. And it choked it out. Why? There was no root. There was no life. And what Paul is saying here, as he says throughout Scripture, and as, as not only Paul, but John, John said, they went out from us because they were not of us. For if they were of us, they would not have departed from us. Meaning that if they were truly a child of God, God's Spirit would be at work. It doesn't mean that that we won't stray, but the Spirit of God will be at work in our lives. And not to bring us to a point that say, hey, I'm an atheist, but I'm going to heaven. It can't be. It's evidence that the faith was not in the finished work of God. There is no work of the Spirit of God there. And there is no way that we, in and of ourselves, can preserve, persevere to the end. If, if we can't save ourselves and we need the grace of God, 
There is no way that I have in and of myself the grace of God to persevere to the end. And, and the reality is this, endurance, perseverance does not produce or protect salvation. It is an evidence that we are truly saved. It is proof that a person is truly redeemed and a child of God. Perseverance proves faith's genuine character. It doesn't cancel human responsibility. We have a responsibility to feed our faith, to have it grow. Uh, We don't have the time to go into that. But what we read in Colossians, he's saying, if you are truly saved, if you are built on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ, you will continue in the faith and nothing will move you. You will continue to the end. You have heard the gospel. You have trusted Jesus Christ. He has saved you. He is at work in your life. And He will continue that work. And I know, in many of your minds are coming to mind, yeah, but what about so-and-so? Don't you worry about so-and-so. You worry about yourself. Of the four soils, three of them were not saved. And there are some that think they have good ground, that they're going to meet God and He's going to say to them, Depart from me. I never knew you. It wasn't that they knew Him once and then lost their salvation. I never knew you. And they'll say, Wait a minute. In, in your name we did all these wonderful works. In your name we've cast out devils. How many of us here have cast out devils? How many of you would have liked to, right? Um, in your name we did all these wonderful works. We cast out devils. We attended Grace Baptist Church faithfully. And he says, I never knew you. For whatever ulterior motives, they may have prayed a prayer, but they truly weren't saved. They didn't yield to the Spirit. They didn't exchange their power for God's power. And that's why he says throughout Scripture often, examine yourself to see if you are in the faith. I tell you, a great burden of my heart is for young people that grow up in Christian homes and they know all the, the language of Christianity, but it's never been made personal in their lives. They know how to act as a Christian. They know how to talk as a Christian. They know how to walk as a Christian. But because of that, there's this antagonism in their spirit. This is what I've got to do got to do. But their flesh is still the only thing in their life. And until they have have yielded their life to Christ for the forgiveness of sin, all they have is the flesh. And they can be motivated by guilt to do what God wants. They may be motivated by, if I... If I do what God wants, it makes it easier for me. My parents stay off my back. 
I look good, I'm, I'm accepted. But do they really know Jesus Christ? And that's what, as, as people in this church body, as parents, as grandparents, we need to pray diligently and fervently that our children come to a personal knowledge of Jesus Christ by faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul is saying here, you have been reconciled, not by your own power. And you are not going to be kept by your own power. If you are reconciled to God, you will continue to the end by the power of God. And, and you will know the working of God in your life. So reconciliation brings change. The change endures But we need to quickly add, the change is not yet complete. See, none of us here today are all that God wants us to be. None of us today have it made. God's continually showing me in my life, um, continually, areas that this needs... This needs change. This needs adjusted. This needs put off to be like Christ. It's the Spirit of God doing it. But I have the confidence in this, Philippians 1.6. He began a good work in me when I called upon Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and yielded my life to Him. He began a good work in me and He will continue that work until the day of Jesus Christ. That's another way Paul said what he's saying here in Colossians. That that work will continue. But it's not yet complete. Long time ago there was a song, He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. And it's true, He's still working on all of us. So let me quickly make a couple of applications. Number one, salvation is a work of God that produces fruit. And maybe I should have put in there lasting fruit. The young man in the illustration at the beginning of the message, at one point in his life you could look and say, look, there's fruit. Springs up for a little while. Springs up. And then the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches and the pleasures of this world choke it out. But where God brings reconciliation, where God brings salvation, it produces a fruit that remains. Secondly, we can have confidence in God's work that it will produce great works in our lives. We, we have confidence in God's work, not ours. It's not like, oh man, I better go do something. All, all the religions that don't believe Christ alone add works. If you mess with Christ, you're going to be adding works and it's all up to us. And it's easy for us to do it in our circles too. To be filled with pride. Look at I'm doing this and I'm doing this. It's what God is doing. And it's not motivated by guilt. I've been there in the past and 
and guilt people in by preaching. You ought to be doing this, blah, blah, blah. Guilt doesn't, doesn't cut it. It's out of love for God. He reconciled me to God. Whoa! No one else could ever do that for me. That is the greatest thing in all the world. And I love you, God. And you are at work in my life. And I praise you, Lord. And I want to love you. I want to serve you. It's not a got to. It's a get to. And, and we realize that. And, and it, it, the Spirit of God produces love and joy and peace and long-suffering. He produces His fruit in our lives. I mean, I've been there in my life. I've seen plenty of others there. We're, we're living the Christian, trying to live the Christian life. And why aren't you doing that? And I'm better than them. I don't see why they aren't. And we go through life with this negative, bitter, critical, judgmental attitude. And that, that's exactly what it says, right? The fruit of the Spirit is judgmental, critical, negative, complaining. No, that's not the fruit of the Spirit. It's love. It's joy. It's peace. It's long-suffering. You, you look at the testimonies that we saw of the circle of freedom from those ladies. It wasn't, it wasn't like Kim was there with a cattle prod. Now say this, read this. It was coming from their heart. God has changed my life. And we need to come back and, and, and if the joy is gone in our life, we need to come back and ask some serious questions. Where did I lose the joy? Did I ever have the joy of the Lord in my heart? But confidence, it's in God's work, not my work. I've got to do this. I've got to... No, God, I just need to be a willing vessel that God can work through. And our confidence is in God alone, and it is not in self, and it is not in man it is not in anything else. Our confidence is in God alone. And, and I believe God's continually at work in our, all of our lives as believers to, to knock out the props, holding up things that we put confidence in. If your confidence is in anything else besides Christ and Christ alone, it's misplaced. Grace Baptist Church, it's misplaced. Our goal at Grace Baptist Church is to get you to trust in Christ alone. But there, there may be people that trust Grace Baptist Church. God forbid. That's no different than trusting any other church. It's Christ alone. And our faith will fizzle before we finish if it isn't built on Christ alone. Sometimes faith grows dim in life. But true faith never ceases. The Spirit of God will minister, will, will fan the flames, and, and will bring it back. And, and I've seen that in many lives of some of you here today of how God's Spirit has pursued you when you went down the wrong path and 
And you're manifesting that you have genuine faith because you're back. You're in the saddle again, so to speak. You're, you're running the race of faith. See, it's confidence in Him. It's God that changed us. There's a new attitude. There's a new life imparted. And that is the sign that we cannot give up being a Christian. I read a, a preacher, a guy called and said, I, I'm, I'm just about done being a Christian. I think I'm going to quit. It's just too hard for me. And the preacher said, I agree. Why don't you just quit? And the, and the guy said, what? You know I can't do that. And the preacher said, well, if you didn't have it in you, then you don't have it in you. But you just proved to me that you do have it in you. There comes days that it's hard. And there comes days that you may want to quit and give up. But, as Peter said, where would we go, Lord? To whom would we go? That's an evidence of genuine faith. It doesn't mean you'll always be. There, there comes valleys that test our faith. But we rest in the confidence that He will hold us fast. Heavenly Father, I thank You that our salvation is not up to what we can do. Lord, we can't save ourselves. We can't keep ourselves. We are dependent on You. Without You, we can do nothing. And Lord, I pray that Your Spirit would work in every heart that may be here today that does not know You as personal Savior, that You would be drawing them and they would respond to Your Spirit. And come to know you for the forgiveness of sin. Lord, I pray for every believer here today. Purify our lives. Lord, purify our motives. May our confidence be in you and you alone. And Lord, I pray that you would manifest your power in a great way as you're molding and shaping us. And Lord, that that all the things of this life wouldn't distract us from Your work, and that we would have a confidence and a peace in You, that You are at work and You are able to make all things work together for good when we love You and are committed to Your purposes. So Lord, thank You that our faith is in You. And we thank you that we can have the utmost confidence in you because you are perfect in all your ways. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's